I enjoy. I particularly enjoyed interviewing you and reading your book just recently for my own podcast. And Thank I, you, Kevin. And it was, um, yeah, that was a great experience. And I, and I've since picked that book up many times and and just I breeze through it. And every time I do, I open a page and I think, yeah, that's just so. That just makes so much sense to me. Welcome to the Get Invested podcast, where we share conversations I've enjoyed with experts from all walks of life to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills, and their money, and the benefits this has created. Get Invested helps you to live more, work less, and leave a legacy by investing now. Listen to the show to discover the top tips on how to get started, to make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately, to be living the dream. More episodes can be found on iTunes or at khgroup.com.au forward slash get invested. Thanks for listening and let's get invested. If you want to join me on a rare conversation to hear the inner thoughts of one of Australia's most experienced real estate minds, then you'll definitely want to listen to this week's episode of Get Invested, where I speak with property and real estate legend, Kevin Turner. Before starting his real estate career back in 1988, Kevin worked in radio as an announcer, a salesperson, promotions manager, and was general manager of several radio stations. From there, he went on to work in a major real estate franchiser as a sales trainer and business development associate. Since then, Kevin's been able to combine his absolute passions for both radio and real estate to become the go-to source of knowledge, hosting Australia's most listened to property podcast, Real Estate Talk. In our chat, We covered his early investments and career, how he thinks about property, how to allocate your resources properly, mistakes made and lessons learned, and the future of Australian real estate. We also get into the pros and cons of the build process, how to test a real estate agent by asking the right questions, and a really interesting critical analysis of specific real estate markets across Australia, which I know you're going to find very interesting. You see, I've had the pleasure of listening to Kevin on Real Estate Talk for many years now. And his warm, friendly, down-to-earth approach and his depth of industry knowledge is absolutely second to none. As a result, he attracts input and commentary from the best of the best in every diverse aspect of the property industry. So if you're looking for actionable tips from an industry leader so that you can stay ahead of the pack at the forefront of property, finance and all investment innovations, then you can't afford to miss this great chat with Kevin Turner. Enjoy. Great, it's Bushy here from Get Invested. I've got the real pleasure this morning of talking to the infamous Kevin Turner. He's the voice of property in Australia and uh, I feel very humbled and privileged to have the opportunity to talk to Kevin this morning. Uh, welcome aboard, Kevin. G'day, Bushy. That's a nice introduction. Thank you. I've, I've been called lots of things but never... I don't think... What would you call me infamous? <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, there's not many people in this. And I, in fact, I'd go as far as saying I don't think there's anyone in Australia who has the depth and coverage uh, of uh, contacts, networks and knowledge in the property area in Australia. Oh, that's very nice. And, Thank you. And uh, have been a, a very serious listener of your real estate talk podcast for quite some years now. And uh, what I love about the, the way you approach that subject is that uh, two things really the uh, the breadth of people that you get on board to get knowledge skills and input from a whole diverse range of different areas philosophies strategies etc but what I love about the way you do it is that your your interviewing style is exceptional Kevin okay. I just love the way that um, you don't color the 
the conversation, you ask the questions. Uh, there's probably times, I'm sure, when you want to be biting your tongue uh, or agreeing or disagreeing with what you're hearing, but I, I love the way you just let the conversation flow, and if I can be half the interviewer that you are, mate, then I'll be very happy with the outcome. Well, it's very nice. Uh, uh, just to explain my philosophy, it's because it's very important that I think when you talk to someone, it's all about them. It's not about not about you or, or me, and in that case, it's not about me. It's not what I think is right. It's I want to get the opinion of the person I'm talking to. And the, right. the other thing is that we're, none of us are always right, Bushy. You know, like every once in a while we actually make some mistakes. And I, I think, you know, it's a good lesson to say, well, you know, I don't know everything and I'm going to listen to this person because I'm definitely going to learn. I, I was a trainer. Uh, I used to train people in real estate um, okay. before I started podcasting. Right. And I learned a very valuable lesson um, many, many years ago when I was much younger than what I am today. And I went to Cairns. <laughs> And I was doing a training session up there for a a very high-profile organisation who had, at that time, the number one salesperson in Australia for that group. Right. And um, I I used to go up there quite often, maybe once a month, and train them. And she would always be the first person in the room. She would always sit in the front row and she would always take notes. And I I thought it was... I I, I found this quite... When it first happened to me, it, it just shook me to my core because I thought, mm. I, how can I possibly teach this person anything? And, <laughs> and I said, to, her name was Angela, I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, and, and I said, Angela, why, why do you, um, you're always first here, you're always taking notes. Surely you know it all. I mean, I, you could teach me heaps. She said, Kevin, I only need to pick up one thing from you to make this worthwhile. And I always seem to pick up one thing. I said, oh, well, that's good. <laughs> At least you're getting right. something out of it. But, you know, and, and then I realized that the great people are always learning. They're always right. willing to have an open mind. They're always willing to listen and take something. And I think if you take one thing out of every conversation you meet with a great person, you'll end up being very good yourself. I think Absolutely. someone once said to me, if, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you've got a big problem. <laughs> and, and I think you've got to realise sometimes you're going to learn a lot from people. And that's why I, enjoy, I particularly enjoyed interviewing you and reading your book just recently for my own podcast. And Thank I, you, Kevin. And it was, um, yeah, that was a great experience. And, I, and I've since picked that book up many times and, and just I breeze through it. And every time I do, I open a page and I think, yeah, that's just so, that just makes so much sense to me. Well, I am absolutely sure we're going to get more than one thing out of the conversation with you today, Kevin. Uh, no doubt about that. I, the, the wealth of wisdom that you bring to the table, uh, it, it's, I, we could talk all day, I think, and still be learning from you, mate. So, you. Um, but I, what I'd like to do, mate, is uh, take a walk through history, as we always do, and uh, just start us off by talking to us about... Uh, in, in, from your earliest days, what you decided to invest, to invest your time, money and skills in and how did it benefit you and others on the journey, mate? Mm. I, I, th- I remember the, the, I mean, we've been buying and selling property now, Karen and I, since we first got married and that was back in 1971. So that tells you a little bit about how long we've been around. Um, <laughs> I'm a similar vintage, mate, so don't worry. Yeah, and we bought our first house um, and it was, a, it was a new house land package in Toowoomba. Okay. And we got some assistance. Boy. Yeah, we got some assistance from the family who helped us with the initial deposit. Yeah. And uh, you know, I can tell you that I think that house cost us about ten thousand dollars. Um, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it was. It was. A, I think <laughs> it was a brand new build. Uh, it was a Clark home, and it cost us ten thousand dollars to build it. And I think the land cost fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. 
<laughs> so, you know, and, and, and w- when you look back on that and you think, oh, you know, why wouldn't you love property? Why, like, you buy this stuff and it just it just goes up. I mean, the one thing we need is, you know, we need somewhere to, to call home. We need a roof over our head. So property, to me, has always been a, a bit of a winner. Yes. Um, having said that, I haven't always made money out of property, property because there have been some where I've made some big errors and I'm happy to talk about those because I, yes, you know, the they're, club. they're great the lessons. Club. Yeah. Yeah. What was, the, what was the initial interest in property? I'm just interested in, in was it... Uh, because of your parents, or was it just something that you had always um, had a, uh, a liking for? What, yeah. Can you remember back and, and think about what it was that, that you just felt comfortable with the property side? Yeah, I, th- I think I grew up with it because mum and dad were always property owners, and uh, yeah. you know, dad was a builder and he used to build houses. Well, he's a school teacher, but he had a builder by trade, yeah. and uh, he would build houses. And, and dad built, uh, I think, a couple of the houses that we lived in. Okay. And they also had an, um, an investment property in the days when, you know, not many people had investment properties. It was a holiday house. And I, I think I sort of grew up with that was just a normal part of life. That was just what you did. You actually bought a house. And it, and it was more than the great Australian dream. It was really something that was you just did. You mm. know, it was just the norm. And I... For me, for Carolyn and I to actually own our own house was just something you did, you know. Right. Um, yeah, it wasn't anything you questioned. It was just always going to happen. That, that's right. Yeah, so so I, I guess the love of it is because I just grew up with it. Um, yep. And, and it, it's always seemed natural to me. I've always enjoyed it. I love property. I love what you can do with it. I love the fact that you can get a property and you can, you know, make it your own. You can, um, as opposed to, say, shares, and I know you probably want to talk to me about, you know, do I invest in shares? No, I don't. Okay. Um, the, one of the main reasons is that if you buy a property, you can, you can do a lot to it yourself to improve its value. Yes. You buy some shares, there's not a lot, well, there's nothing you can do unless you own the company. So That's you're right. really relying on someone else to manipulate and manoeuvre the value, whereas with property... It's really up to me. It's up to me what I buy. It's up to me how I maintain it. It's up to me how I improve it. So therefore, it says to me that a lot of my wealth out of property is going to come out of you know the things that I do myself. Yeah, exactly right. The ability to influence the result uh, in property is, is far greater than any, any other asset class, really. And I, yeah. what I love about it, and, and I've, I've heard you talk about this uh, quite a bit on uh, real estate talk, where you mentioned that we, we don't really have a property market. We've got millions of properties that, and it's easy to lump it up and call it a property market mm, mm. but each and every uh, property in its own right is individual That's right. Uh, so you have the ability to do things to it that are going to make it much more attractive than, than similar properties in the area yeah. and, I, and I'd also love your point that uh, you, you've touched on and that is that uh, property is a, it's a must need asset everyone's got to live somewhere mm. whereas a shares, well you can't live in shares and, and shares are a fairly intangible sort of a product and I, I do invest in shares uh, for the dividend returns but when I'm looking for growth I just love the, the safety of property as you say just the ability to actually uh, have an influence on the mm. end result and improve it is uh, is second to none as far as that goes so let, let, let's talk a little bit about your investment experience then so you, you built your first home in Toowoomba and obviously a bit of a country boy like myself mm. uh, when and what sort of made you to start think about in, investing in property as such, mate? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, from from Toowoomba, we we moved around a fair bit because in those days I was working in radio, so yep. we ended up being uh, in North Queensland. We, you know, had uh, I was the general manager of a radio station in Townsville. 
Yeah. And I remember uh, coming down to visit mum and dad at their holiday house, which was in, in those days on Bribie Island. And, okay. Uh, and Carol and I were down here, and I had a good association with the bank manager. You know, we'd bought and sold several houses. Um, yeah. But not, not many had we actually held on to. We'd sort of moved into them, moved out of them. Okay. Uh, and I'm just trying to think of which year it was. Not that it really matters because it was so long ago. But, um, <laughs> it, it, but the, the one thing I do remember is that the banks really didn't encourage you to hold onto a house. In other words, if you moved, and, and while I was moving around a lot in radio, um, if you moved from, as we moved from Sydney to, say, Goulburn, we actually had a yep. house in North Ryde, but we ended up selling it so we could move because the bank didn't want us to hold onto it, which Interesting. I really wished we had it, yeah, obviously, now. But, you know, the bank sort of said, no, 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 you know, we'll only take one wage, even though Carolyn would have been working at the time. They would only look at one wage and they wouldn't let you hold onto a property. Mm. So there were a lot of restrictions in those days. But I yep. remember coming down to Bribie Island and, this my first investment into investment property was a major mistake because <laughs> I I bought a block of land and I thought okay. I thought oh this this would be nice I'm going to do what mum and dad did I'm going to build a holiday house here one day so <laughs> I'll buy this lovely block of land which we you know, we never ever built on it yeah um, and the bank were happy enough they gave us the money and then I realised hang on a minute. I've just spent all this money and I'm not getting any income. This is not making a lot of no, sense. No. <laughs> and I, I really wasn't at the stage where I wanted to build on it. And I thought, oh, no, I've made a big mistake here. So we ended up selling the block of land that we, we to do it because there's a lot of land around at the time. Yeah. Uh, to do it, we ended up having to go into a, like a joint venture with a uh, with a builder. Okay. Uh, you know, we put the land in, he put the house on, then we sold it, then we pulled the money out from the sales so it took That's us a while creative. yeah it took us a while but we got our money back and well, then wouldn't i be, wouldn't in, be many that were smart enough to uh, even think of that as an option kevin <laughs> well it, it worked at the time so uh we it, it, i think we call, it was called builder's terms you know we sort right. of yeah we just tipped the land in and he, he anyway yeah, so we okay. from there we went on and bought a unit in bribey which was you know quite a an a good success because once again I thought oh, well maybe we can use this as a holiday house which, which we never ever did so we right. just rented it out and that was really the start of the of the journey then from there we just started to invest um, and then we moved to Brisbane and that's largely where we've done the bulk of our investing over the last 20 odd years okay and the, the I mean you've obviously had the experience of existing properties versus going through the build process uh, yep. but what's your feelings on each of those and their pros and cons Kevin? well Matt, I, I would only ever um, buy an existing property again I I, yep. I I don't think I'd go through the build process again it's great if you're building your own dream home and you want yep. to, because you end up putting a lot more effort energy and ideas into it. And I don't know that that's a really good um, investment strategy. I think sure. you end up putting too much into it. Yeah. So I, I'd much rather buy something finished, and that way you can, you know, your, your money's working for you pretty well straight away. Yeah, interesting. Because I've gone the opposite way. I started with it existing, and now uh, with uh, one of our most recent investment properties over the last like, mm. ten years, we've gone through the build process. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it, if you, th- that's the difference. Is that it becomes a strategy, uh, yes. and, and I'm not saying it's wrong. It just doesn't suit me. Yeah, uh, sure. I'd much rather buy existing property. I don't see myself as a developer. Uh, yep. I'm pretty busy doing what I do, so I cool. really just want to get property and then let someone else manage it, remain yep. um, pretty well arms-free, which is what we've always done. Yeah, because I, 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 
take a lot of people through the, that strategy process now and, and talk about the pros and cons of existing versus building. And uh, certainly if you're out in the boondocks of the build, then there's no merit in doing it whatsoever because you're one of many. But if you're able to secure a, a block in a, in a, a closer area uh, with high growth potential, yep. there's certainly some stamp duty and some uh, tax depreciation benefits that make it much more affordable to hold on to the property long term. But it takes someone with, with more courage than normal to be than just to pick up something that's existing. So yeah. no, I'm always interesting to to delve into the thoughts around that, mate. So and, and a lot more knowledge too. I think a lot of people look at it and think, oh well, you know what Bushy does is it looks easy. He's making a heap of money out of it. I think I'll give it a shot. Uh, but it's a lot harder than what a lot of people. I mean, yeah. people who are really good at things, Bushy, make things look easy. True. And, and other people think, oh well, that's easy. I'll do that. And then you yeah. find out that it's just not that easy. Yeah, I think the the big lesson that I've heard you talk about this a number of times is surround yourself with an expert team. And, and coming back to the point you made earlier, don't be the smartest person in the room, be the dumbest person in the room. That's right. And if you've got a, a good project manager or a buyer's agent and an, an agent on your team, and then you make sure that you've got... Uh, uh, one of the one of the key areas I think there's a big opportunity for investors moving forward with the uh, introduction of PIPA is the... Uh, Property Investment Advisor, and uh, I'm very impressed with what they're doing in relation to lifting the standards of particularly that build space. Have you had much uh, exposure to Pepper, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, in fact, I I interviewed um, Peter Kalutsos only a matter of about half an hour ago. Uh, He's he's the chairperson. He is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I uh, and, and Ben Kingsley before him, of course. So, uh, yeah, I know those guys very well, and I, I have great okay. respect, like you, for what they do. I think it's uh, greatly needed uh, to lift the standards. But you know, building, uh, sorry, uh, buyers agents are, are just becoming so much more professional, um, so much more skilled, and you know, um, and. and Investment advisors, which is what Pippa's all about. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think the standard of agent in Australia is much higher than most other parts of the world. You know, absolutely agree. Yeah, so I, I, I think people can, you know, invest with these people with confidence. It's interesting um, because uh, you know I'm about about to interview the buyer's agent of the year. Um, Excellent. Uh, in, a, in a podcast, and we're going to be announcing yeah. that uh, on Real Estate Talk very shortly. Terrific. And these people are just so skilled, you know, and they, they are absolutely passionate about um, making sure that they don't deal with shonky people. And buyer's agents are becoming a lot more accepted in Australia, and it's actually yeah. gathering pace a lot quicker than it did, say, I know it's a lot more established in, in America where they have split commissions. But sure. in Australia, it's a totally different landscape. But the, more and more people are realising the benefits of using them. Totally agree. I, I'm a big advocate of buyers agents ourselves in relation to if you're looking for an existing property or you're look, looking for a, a good site that uh, to develop, there's no better person to use than a, and a local area expert in the buyers agent space. And um, uh, I know you're familiar with Josh Masters. Uh, yes, I am. Time for Josh yes. and the work that yeah. he does in that area, and I, I think the professionalism they bring to the table and the, the negotiation skills, I think, is the is the key that I see because I, I see that the make or break in in real estate is often built around how good a negotiator you are, 
and uh, and that that goes for the real estate agent space as well. I think a you know a good real estate agent is really a, a master negotiator in, in essence. So what are your thoughts around that? I oh, totally matter, and I I'm a great believer in you know the old theory of you'll make money out of real estate when you buy, not when you sell. So therefore, the most important thing apart from doing your research is to understand how you can negotiate to get the best deal. And sometimes you'll make more money out of the things you say no to than the things you say yes to for for that very simple reason. Yes, good point. That's a very good point. I, I, I totally agree with you as well in relation to the, the quality of professionalism that we enjoy in this country. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people uh, make make jokes about uh, real estate agents and whatnot. You know, the the, the old used car salesman exercise. But uh, if you're dealing with a really good agent, I, I've I've uh, I don't know whether I call it a fortune or otherwise, but I do own some property in the states, and the experience over in the states. Uh, Compared to Australia, one of the mistakes we made in going into the US market after the GFC is that we had an assumption that the quality of professionalism in the, mm. in the States was going to be comparable to Australia. Well, we, we beat them hands down, mm. Kevin, by a country mile. Yeah, I do another podcast that's called uh, Real Estate Uncut, and that's for real estate professionals, teaching them how to you know, work with investors and so on. And uh, that's, got a, that's got a huge audience in America. I get a lot of feedback from people who's, you know, always trying to tap into how the Australian agents work because I think the agents in America who, you know, we see them on television, you know, million-dollar agent, all that, I mean, they're very far and few between. Uh, and yep. I've even interviewed a few of those and I'm thinking to myself, I, you know, I don't know that I'd actually list with one of these guys. No, no, <laughs> no, interesting you say that. I, I... I felt very this very much the same way. It's, it's, it took us a long time to put together a, a team in the US that yep. we were actually comfortable with compared to uh, what we're used to here locally. So, uh, if we look at, look back over your your investing career in property, uh, Kevin, what's been your best and your worst uh, experience today? Uh, I can I can give you the worst one straight off because uh, <laughs> that's the one that sticks in my mind. Um, actually, the the, the um, Probably one of the best ones is uh, another one in Brisbane, but one not too far away from that. Um, I, I actually had a lot of confidence because we went through a stage where you know we had a reasonable amount of cash flow and we thought, oh, we'll just go and buy a couple of properties. And we went and bought a couple and one we still own, but there were a couple okay. of others we had to, to move on very quickly because they just didn't work. One of them was a really good property and I absolutely fell in love with it, but we just overcapitalized on it. Right. Uh, we just did far too much with it. Um, okay. And, you know, we put on a new roof when we shouldn't have. And, oh, when you're putting the roof on, let's put all the insulation in, let's get the best insulation. And yeah, it right. just it just didn't work. And I, th- that was a that was the worst one. Um, yeah. we, we didn't lose a lot of money on that. But, um, oh, look, I, I think probably... In hindsight, just thinking about it, you know, maybe the worst investment I ever did was the first one, and I think I've told you about that, and that was the block of land. You know, I'd never do that again. Um, but, you know, a great lesson. Once again, I don't think over the years, even though we've made some, you know, what I think silly investments, we haven't lost a lot. But that's another thing I love about property. It, it, it can be very forgiving if you give it time. You know, I mean... Um, you might not buy it as well as you should, but if you give it time, it'll normally come around. I saw a really interesting stat, which is what I talked to Peter Kaloutsos about from Pippa, just yep. you know, only a matter of an hour or so ago, and that was that um, Sydney has been one of the worst performing 
markets for capital growth over the last 15 years. It's Of all the capital cities, it came last in terms yes. of capital growth over the last 15 years. So we just had a big catch-up, haven't we? Yeah, and it was a catch-up. And I think, therefore, you've got to look at property as a long-term thing. And if you look at property yes. in the long term, it can become very forgiving, even though you might make a mistake. So yep. the lesson there is, uh, if you're going to overcapitalise on a property, be prepared to hold for a while, and, and it will forgive you, yes. uh, in most cases, of course. Yeah, 100% agree. I, I think you and I spoke on the, the brief chat we had with Real Estate Talk the other week around the fact that the most property cycles in a location yep. take sort of 18 or 15, 8 to 15 years to yep. work their way through. That's so right. if you're in the game for 15 years, you're going to do all right. Mm. If you're expecting to get in and, and make a, a Monty in five years, you're probably kidding yourself. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, that's no, it's really interesting. You know, t- time is uh, the great healer or the or it can be your worst enemy if you don't uh, manage it pretty well, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, the point we were making in that chat with Peter Kaloutsos, I'm sorry to keep going back to that, but yeah, there's, there's some great lessons in that, and that was that, um, you know, timing the market or time in the market. And I think, uh, you know, if you spend some time in the market you're going to do okay. Looking at the established house price index weighted average of the eight capital cities in Australia um, was 161%. That's growth over the last 15 years. Yeah, there you go. It's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, yeah, pretty solid, isn't it? Yeah, and you look at, uh, say, the Brisbane market, which I've always thought is, is, is one of the most stable markets in Australia. And it's not because that's where we invest. It's just it's a fact. And it it was proven in these figures because the growth over the last 15 years in that market was 160%, which is pretty much the the average, the weighted average of all the capital cities. There you go. Yeah, and the highest performing one was was in fact uh, Hobart. With, yes, uh, really. Yeah. Over that fifteen-year period. Over the fifteen-year period, it was a growth of two hundred and twenty percent. Just and and Sydney was one hundred and forty-two percent. Yeah, I guess coming off such a low base in Hobart, it, it's that's easier right. to get that sort of percentage return. Yes, that's right. But, yeah, but but still, because everyone's talking about Hobart at the moment, and uh, mm. I, I have the same feeling that Hobart's going through a little bit of a catch-up. Uh, I, I question its sustainability in yes. terms of its. Uh, ability to, because of its critical mass, not not to be able to continue to do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I, I I agree with you. I think Brisbane. Uh, I've been surprised actually uh, that Brisbane hasn't kicked on more quickly than it has in recent times. Given that you know a lot of investors in the New South Wales and Victorian states with equity growth aren't pouring their money in there, but it must be coming. I think, Kevin. What's what's well, your feeling on that? I don't know that I agree with that, Bushy. I I, okay. I, I think I think we're going to see the the Brisbane market just continue to do what it's always done. It's done yep. for the last like 20, 30 years. It's just been steady, yep. steady growth. You know, you're looking yep. at six to eight percent um, a year yeah, that's uh, as growth, which means it's probably going to double in value every ten years. And these figures prove yep. that. You know, yeah, there you um, go. You know, another another market that really surprised me was uh, Darwin. 161% over the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, you know, we've heard some horror stories, and even Perth was 159%. Yes. So, yes. you know, these are some of the markets we've put in, in, the, in the category of cot cases. But, <laughs> gee, you look at it over the last 15 years, that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's not that too bad good. at all. Yeah. And, and the 15-year mark is the, is the magic number, really, in terms of a, a long-term cycle. So just in, out of interest, where did the good old... The best kept secret in Australia, South Oz, appear in those numbers, mate. One hundred and forty-seven percent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not not a long way behind the pace either for a, 
a town that just... Well, my t- it was ahead of Sydney. Sydney was yeah. 142%. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's very interesting. Mel- Melbourne was 208%. Uh, just to run through the other figures for you, Perth, I think, was, well, I said 159%. Um, yeah. Hobart, 220 Darwin, 161 and Canberra was 146%. So. Interesting. Well, if you threw a blanket over 140 to a bit over 160, you're going to cover the whole, yep. whole country. And as, as you've well said, that's a very good indicator for property generally if you're taking a long-term view. It is. Another reason why your money's pretty good in property, I would have thought. So. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, no, totally agree. No, that's very interesting, mate. And, um, well, again, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, I don't think there's anyone in Australia who uh, talks to as many people as you do, uh, and you'd, you'd hear the good, the bad, and the ugly right across the board. Hmm. If you were to sort of share with uh, the, uh, the listeners what do you think is the the best advice and perhaps the worst advice that you've heard on the journey. What what would you sum that up as, mate? Okay, best best piece of advice I guess would be um, just understand that uh, when you're buying property, sometimes it takes a while. Don't rush into it. You know, don't don't be quick. Sometimes it takes a while to negotiate. One of the one of the best skills you can work on is your ability to negotiate, um, yep. to learn, to listen, observe, and not rush in. Um, so, you know, the, these things don't happen quickly. Um, no. it, it's, it's a bit like an oak tree, you know. When was the best time to plant a tree? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> when was the best time to buy a property? 20 years ago. When was the next best time? Was So, Today. yeah, yeah exactly. give yourself some time. Take take time with it. Don't rush into it. Um, yeah. Of course, yeah, I, I could tell you about research and some, but we all know the importance of doing research and that's all yeah. part of the process is research, research, but don't over-research don't yeah. become paralysed through analysis. Make sure. Look, the the other thing too is understand that if you if you make a mistake and God, he knows I've made a few, um, <laughs> and I'm club. still alive. We, you know, we're, we're not dead. We're not bankrupt. Um, you know, we're still doing okay. <laughs> but you, it's okay to make a mistake, learn from it, and never make it again. And yeah. the day you become afraid of making a mistake, or the day you become afraid to take action, is when you'll stop growing. Absolutely. So the way you grow is you make mistakes, you learn from it, uh, and just never make that mistake again. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant advice, mate. It is brilliant advice. But on the flip side, what's some of the the worst advice that you hear uh, people in the in the game uh, telling people? Yeah, listen, listen to the people who um, you know always cautious, talking about bubbles. Um, yes. Talking about uh, how the property market's going to crash. I mean, I'm sick and tired of these, um, pardon my French, dickheads who come in from overseas <laughs> and they'll, they'll talk about how the property market's going to crash. And I, you know, I predicted the crash of 2000 and, you know, and, and, and five and yeah. Yeah, what a load of rubbish. Um, yeah. So, you know, don't, don't take notice of those people. Take your own counsel. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd learned many years ago, Kevin, and I maybe the same. I stopped listening to the general news about 15 years ago, I think, and I'd now just uh, listen to blogs and podcasts in the area from people that I know they know what they're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. I always, whenever I hear someone, uh, particularly from overseas, start to talk about uh, how we're headed, the, the world's about to end for property in Australia, I always question what's their vested interest in doing that? What are they trying to flog that... Uh, uh, they're trying to turn people away from property into something else, and um, I, I think uh, with anything, I always question what, what's in it for you. And uh, do, have you found the same thing? Kevin? Yeah, mate. It's normally a book. 
you know, they're, norm- they're normally selling a book. You know, these guys I'm talking about are coming. And I'm, I'm not having a shot at you, mate. No, but- I'm not right. <laughs> take it that way at all, mate. No, no, because you, you, your book's positive, but, but these guys will have a book about, you know, how the market's about to crash, so therefore they're on a speaking tour and they want to sell their book or they want to sell their course or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, just be careful of people. And, and you're right, the question you ask yourself is what's in it for you. And it's the same with the people you deal with, the professionals. Um, yes. You know, if they're trying to flog you something, just be careful. Have the antenna out. It's the people who don't try and flog your stuff whose opinion you should should take and and never listen to people who don't invest i'm i'm still staggered Mm. at the number of people uh, and i get press releases and you know statements from people and i look into their background and find that then either they don't own property or they'd like to own property but they just don't know how to go about it but they still want to give advice to people on how to do it don't they? I, I, in the in the uh, the Freedom Formula book, uh, Kevin, I talk about the law of inverse investment, mm. and that that law goes that uh, the less people invest, the, mm. the stronger and louder their opinions generally. <laughs> and uh, in property, in particular, every man his dog's an expert, as we all know. And uh, what I always say to people is, look, uh, before you listen to anyone, ask them how many properties they've owned and yes. what are they doing what you're looking to do. And if yes. they are, then listen to them. If yes. they don't, run. Yeah. The, the, other le- the other lesson I've learned too, mate, about uh, um, research is that sometimes you can, research, you can over-research something until you get to the point where you're actually finding reasons not to do it as opposed yes. to reasons to do it. Yes. Uh, so you've just got to be careful that you just get enough information to make the right decision, then you make that decision. What do you think, what other, if you're looking at an investment property, mate, what are the key bits of uh, information that you focus on to help you make that call? Well, it, you know, it varies, mate. I, um, it, de- it depends what type of investment I'm looking at. Um, sure. But it's nearly always about, because it's an investment property, how well is this going to be received by, you know, potential um, tenants? And, and, and if, it's, if it's something that turns a tenant on, doesn't necessarily, I don't have to want to live in it. No. For a start. Uh, but cool. if it's something that's going to turn on a potential tenant or something's going to be in demand, that's a, that's a pretty good reason to buy it. And you normally find those sorts of properties are in the right kind of area. So if you're researching in the right kind of area yep. and you know the purpose behind your investment, you know what? Yes. So get a picture of the tenant first yep. and then go and find the property and you can't go far wrong. It's normally when you go the other way around that you make the wrong decision. Yes, that's a very good call. That's a, a very good call indeed. Mm. Yeah, the... Um, uh, if we were, uh, I know that uh, you've got enormous experience in relation to the the real estate uh, industry generally, and uh, I've read with interest uh, of late your ebook on how to find oh, yeah. the best agent yep. uh, to sell your property, and and it's uh, it's a fantastic read, Kevin, because uh, you break through uh, the general fluff that's often attached with uh, mm-hmm. looking at an agent, and and unfortunately, a lot of people. Uh, uh, and it, it's not just real estate, but they look for the cheapest rather mm. than the best. Mm. Uh, can you sort of share some uh, wisdom with us on uh, how, because it, it, just about everyone in Australia is going to buy a property at some time, whether it's a house to live in or a, a property to mm. invest in. Do you want to give us a bit of a summary yeah. of some of the key things they need to be yeah. focusing on and, and where to get that book? I, I, think you, I think you need to, thanks for that, mate. I, I think you need to understand that when you're employing an agent, it's, it's actually exactly what you're doing. You, it's like you're going to employ someone. So you've got to put them through a, um, an, an interview process. So the, the most powerful thing is knowing the right questions to ask them. Yes. And you shouldn't be afraid about it. It's not about 
what your property is worth because if you you know if you're half smart you're already going to know and if you don't know i'd suggest you go and get a valuer do not get yes. an agent to tell you what the value of your property is because they're, they're not valuers for a start uh, well, they're very good at understanding what the market's doing they're very good at uh, getting you to do some of the things that they want you to do like you know invest in an auction or invest in marketing and they're very good yep. at negotiating to get the buyer. That's their role. Yes. Um, their, their role is not there to tell you um, the value of the property. So if they, if they come in and start to talk about value, it's a reason to sack them for a start. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Very good call. Uh, the, the other thing, yeah, just asking, asking the right questions. Um, so in the ebook, we actually put in a list, I think it's about 20 or 25 questions to ask. And the reasons why you don't want to ask them and the sorts of answers you'd, you'd expect from them. Mm. And the other thing that I say to people is don't make it too easy for them to get the job. Yeah. So make it hard for them. Make them, uh, make them want to work for you or show you how good they are at following you up because the real value of an agent, I mean, any agent can list your property. Any agent can get it on the internet. Any agent sure. can do open homes and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They've all got databases. But it's how effectively they follow up the buyer and how effectively they follow up the people who show interest in your property to sell your property. Very good call. Properties don't sell themselves. So, you know, what I'd suggest you do is um, if an agent, the first thing they'll say to you is, when can I come around and see you? They'd like to see you ASAP because they know you're hot and they want to get you listed. Yes. So you'd say, uh, well, look, I've got some time tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Will that suit you? Uh, Lock them in for an appointment. Uh, they'll try and make it hard for you because they want you they they want you to think they're really busy. But you know, oh, no, nine o'clock tomorrow morning, that's fine. I'll be there. I'd cancel that appointment. I'd cancel it at about eight o'clock. I'd ring and say, look, I really can't make it. I'd like you to come at ten o'clock. Um, and then I'd just make it a little bit hard for them. But okay. then I then I want to follow. I'll, then once they have the appointment. Uh, I'm going to ask them to follow me up at uh, 11 o'clock the next day. Give me a call at 11 o'clock the next day, and I'd be measuring them, how, how good they are at actually getting onto you at 11 o'clock. Yes. These things yes. are so important because this is how buyers will work out whether or not they want to buy your property. Of course. It's how well they get followed up. So, yes. you know, give them a test. Make them understand that they've got to earn the right to actually get your listing because they're going to make a, a bucket load of money in commission so therefore, don't make it too easy for them. Yeah, that, that's awesome advice. I, one of the things that I've uh, utilised myself, uh, or something I look very closely at, uh, because I, I know how important the negotiation is, if an agent's uh, not going to negotiate hard on his own fee with me, it yeah. makes me wonder how well he's going to negotiate with a potential buyer when they come through the door. So mm. the ones that drop their pants and are prepared to, to do it for next to nothing and mm. throw in the advertising and everything else, it's not about price. It's mm. not about their cost. It's about their value mm. at the end of the day. Have you got similar, similar oh, thoughts around that? Absolutely, totally. I mean, the first thing you should do is ask them to negotiate their fee. You know, well, what's your fee? Um, oh, and, and a lot of them will have a canned, a, a canned response, but it's the really right. strong ones will say, look, um, the fee is irrelevant. At the end of the day, you only have to pay the fee when you sell. You won't be selling unless you're happy with the price they get for you. So let's talk about the fee later. 
or you know, yeah. I'm worth every cent that I charge. Um, yep. If you're not happy at the end of the day, let's talk about negotiating my fee at the end of the day. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, that's good. You know, one of the other things that I suggest you ask an agent, if you really want to test how good they are as a negotiator, is if if you've established a fee, or uh, sorry, not a fee, a price, an asking price, yep. let's just hypothetically say you and the agent have talked to a fee uh, like an asking price of about 550000 yep. I'd say to the agent, hey, Bushy, um, you know, if we do list it around about that five hundred and fifty thousand, mate, what would you say to a buyer who comes through and wants to offer me four fifty? Mm. And then just shut up. Don't say a word. Just see what they say to you. Um, and the kind of reaction you're looking for is, well, the first thing I would do is I've got someone who's interested in buying your property, Bushy, but I wouldn't turn them away. But I'd certainly indicate them they're not going to buy it because I would just say to them straight up, look. Thanks for asking that question. Um, yeah. I, I'm happy to go and talk to the owner, but I think the first thing you're going to say to me is, what do you think, Kevin? What Do you think we should take it? And my reaction would be no, because I think the property's worth a lot more. Yeah. And given the fact that they're going to knock you back, what would be your next offer? I'd start to negotiate with them straight away. Yes, yes. And, and, and that way you know you've got an agent who is in tune with marketing, is in tune with negotiation, and is just looking for that opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant advice, Kevin. And what I'm picking up from you is that, that the best agents are good at asking the best questions. That's they what are. I'm hearing. That's so true, mate. And they never, ever miss, miss an opportunity, you know, because I, I remember, um, you know, one of the first skills I learned was to always ask people for an offer and just say, well, you know, the owners are pretty keen on, uh, on selling the property. What would, you, what would you pay for it? And yep. it doesn't matter what they come back with. Um, well, what's the asking price? Oh, it's five fifty. Oh, I wouldn't pay that for it. No, that's fine. Well, what would you pay for it? I mean, you've got you to ask the question. You've got to ask people to make offers. And this is what good agents should be able to enunciate with you, yep. how they negotiate. Because that's what you want. When you're employing an agent, you're employing a paid professional negotiator, Absolutely. not a show pony. No, that's right. That's, that's extremely good advice, mate. Very good advice. It's... Uh, uh, the uh, what about from the buyer side? Uh, you know, the, the, a lot of buyers are very wary of agents because they're, they're of the view that the, the yes. agent's obviously working for the vendor or yeah. the, the seller and wanting to get the best price. Yeah. Uh, what's in, in terms of your experience in the agents? How the uh, the best better agents handled the the buyers and and. and got them to where they need to be in that regard. Yeah, well, I think you've got to build a tr- like a, tr- a trusted relationship and be honest and say, hey, listen, Bushy, you know that I'm earning my commission out of the seller. Uh, I'm happy to, for, to, to help you secure this property. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm not going to be recommending to the owner that they take less than what it's worth. So yeah. I'm happy to get you this property if you really want it, but understanding that I'll be trying to get you to pay uh, full market value for it. And, and yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, every seller has got a right to ask more than what their property's worth and every yeah. buyer wants to pay less than what it's worth. So you're always going to have that compressed air between. So that's 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 where the good agents work. They work in that compressed air between yep. the two. So, you know, building a, a, a trusting relationship with a buyer and saying, yep, I'm happy to help you secure this uh, on the understanding that, um, you know, you'll be paying a fair, fair market price for it. But yep. isn't it, it's a terrible indictment on an agent um, when after they've sold someone a property and the buyer says, I'd always buy through that agent, but I'd never sell through them. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a... It's a measure of a good agent, mate, or a bad agent. Yeah, ouch. That, that, would, that would hurt a fair bit. I, I, uh, 
often heard, and I, I think it was LJ Hooker, the, the original LJ Hooker decades ago, always used to tell his team that uh, we're not in the real estate industry, we're in the relationship mm, business. That's right. And uh, what, what I've sort of seen over years is that the best operators in the, in the business generally are all really good relationship builders. Mm. What's, what's your thoughts around that? Well, mate, the industry's changed. It's gone through a, a dynamic change in the last decade or so where we've moved from becoming a transaction business to a relationship business where yeah. we used to measure our success on the transactions. Um, right. And the transaction was a buy or sell. But now the really successful agents are working uh, out how good their businesses are on the number of relationships, genuine relationships that they're building with people on a yeah. long-term basis. So yeah. you th- if you're a short-term thinker, you'll think of transactions. If you're a long-term thinker, you'll think of relationships. Yeah. And that's how the industry has changed. Yeah, that's yeah, and that, that's a pretty massive swing, actually. Oh, yeah. huge. Massive swing and uh, would attract a very different skill set in relation to doing that. Is it some pretty good software out there now that's uh, assisting agents in that regard, Kevin? Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, there's so many CRM systems or customer relationship management systems, but they're only ever as good as the agent who works them. Um, you know, right. and that they've got to have, you know, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, have, like I can, I can give you a massive database, mate. It's called a phone book. Uh, it's got absolutely no value. But if you want to build a good database, uh, like a really good database is one where you can go into it and I can tell you the names of the next six sellers because I know what they're doing, what they're yeah. saying. And it's now all linked in with social media because a lot of these CRMs are actually picking up a lot of data from the internet. Yeah. Um, you know, keywords like buy, sell, rent, um, baby on the way, um, yep. a growing family, maintenance, all of these things are keywords out of um, the internet that are being fed straight back onto these CRMs and people are mm. now being able to, it's It's very intuitive, the selling now. Um, mm. You know, they can predict when someone's actually going to buy or sell their property. Yeah, okay. So if you're in tune with their lifestyle and where they're at in the life cycle, then... Uh, the appropriate call or the appropriate touch point at the, the right time is likely to get a result. Yeah, and, and, and building those relationships, you know, so that it's, you're having meaningful discussions, giving them good information at a time when they can use it and, and, and I mean really meaningful information, not just garbage about how I here's my latest lot of listings. I mean, yeah. big deal. I mean, I, get, <laughs> I, I, I turn off those databases now and I look for people who yeah. can actually give me some really good information. Yeah, the interpretation of the information is the key, isn't it? The, the, the information is dime a dozen. In fact, it would sort of drowned in it, really. Mm. And the, the challenge now is to get back to the essence of what, what's the key stuff I need to know and who's going to be able to tell me that. Mm. Interesting. The, um, if you sort of, I mean, you've had a, a very diverse and, and wide career across radio and, and real estate, uh, Kevin. Uh, can you just walk me through the journey on, on what you led you into radio and then into property, just just to get an understanding of of your thinking around that whole process? Well, to take you back, I've got to go back to when I before I got into radio, I was a, a hand and machine compositor. I'm a printer by trade. Oh right, okay. Yeah, and I was I did my trade in Toowoomba because Dad um, was adamant that I had to have a trade, right. and um, you know, all I wanted to do was get into radio. Uh, but Dad said, no, 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 you've got to get a trade. Like so, that wasn't a real job, was it, Kevin? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's not a real job. <laughs> that's what I used to get too, mate. Yeah, but Dad uh, Dad made me do a trade, and, I, you know, it didn't do me any harm. It was only four years of my life, and it, it wasn't a 
wasn't a big ask, so I did that. But yep. the moment I got my, my ticket, my trade, I burnt all my correspondence posters. I still remember we had a barbecue, and I had already done a course. I did a training course at Forgio in Toowoomba. Okay. And the two guys who did it with me, Frank Warwick and um, Andy Gibson, who was – I think Frank's still around. I'm not quite yep. sure, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And yep. I, I, I had already done my course at uh, Forgio because I wanted to become a radio announcer. And they were both at my barbecue, where my traditional burning of all of, all of my correspondence <laughs> papers. Oh, God, I was a terrible kid. But, um, Did you always have the voice of radio? I mean, you've, you've got the, uh, the dulcet tones that uh, uh, just uh, – people trust you straight away as soon as they, you go up in your mouth, Kevin. Is well, that something that's always been with you or uh, something well, you develop in the trade? Or? I, think you, I think you develop it, actually. But, but I, I, I do think the other thing, too, is that, you, you know, you've got to learn to be very, very genuine particularly yeah. when you're on air. And um, I, learned a, I learned a skill when I, when I first started, I, and I had a listen oh, only a couple of months ago, I guess, to a very first tape that I did okay. back in the 70s. Yeah. And it was just so embarrassing. But um, I, I remember when I, when I first went on air, that. my first job was at 4 a.m. in Mariba. Okay. And um, um, when I was uh, – my first, one of my first shifts, I was so nervous <laughs> – and one of the old announcers said to me, look, here's a tip for you. Go and get uh, an album cover. This is in the days when we were playing LPs. Yes. And, uh, and it was oh, – I, f- I forget who it was. It was a female artist anyway. Yeah. And put the, put the record cover just in front of the microphone and just talk to her. And I did that. And yeah, all like of a sudden it. it all changed. You know, I realised that I wasn't talking to thousands of people. I was only talking to one person. I only had to communicate oh, yeah. with one person. Yes. And even when I – even when I do an interview now, like I'm talking to you, I'm only talking to you. Uh, yeah. Other people will listen. Um, but y- you try and involve them, you know, by not using words like you and I and, yeah. you know, you try and make yeah. it inclusive by saying, you know, we or, or whatever. So I, I still have – I still try and include people, but it's really just a one-on-one conversation. Yeah, it's a great way to – People are eavesdropping it. in on that conversation. Yeah, so. interesting. I, in writing the book, that's I, I had the – photo of someone that I was writing the book to because it yeah. meant that I was I was more conversational That's rather it. than getting too highfalutin in the in the language. So I could see how that would be very useful in the in the radio and, yeah. and, and the podcast I mean the podcast uh, skills are a direct flow on from that mate. And uh, yeah, that's but, uh, right. was, so the radio was a burning ambition right from the early days, mate. Was it? Right from the very early yeah. days. It's all I ever wanted to do. I loved when I was a kid. I loved getting on stage. I was always a bit of a ham. I used to try okay. and get on stage whenever I could. I was in um, junior choral society, and I loved yep. all the shows. And yep. I loved performing. I remember as a kid, I used to, you know, put on performances at home. You know, yep. when people were around. So I guess I've always been a bit of a ham. Yep. Um, but but it's really I, I don't I don't think it's because I, I need an ego boost. I think it's because I genuinely love being with people. I love entertaining, and I love being the the, the center of um, yeah. You know, like it comes across. It, right? you, is that, is that ego? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't no, know. But it is no. what it is. You know, I can't. I don't I can't think it's ego. Yeah. A lot of people get hung up on ego. I think it's more about. What feels right, and uh, you're clearly someone who's extremely comfortable uh, sharing information and, and helping others, and you, you, you do that beautifully in the, the brightness and the, the depth of, of, of the voice. I mean, I, I, someone doesn't have to see you to, to like you, Kevin, and that's a very rare rare skill indeed. Well, they, they probably don't like you with this. <laughs> 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 I 
Uh, someone said to me, "Oh, you've got a you've got a great head for radio." So, <laughs> I, you know, I try I try and do videos, and I look back at myself and I go, oh, "God, you're ugly." <laughs> uh, I'd suffer the same disease, mate. Uh, so don't worry about that. But uh, yeah, that's really interesting, mate. So it, 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 having the the depth of experience you have now, if you were to, to talk to your eighteen year old self and gave him. Mm. Uh, some advice on where he should be investing his time, his money, and his skills. What, what would you say, mate? Would it be any different to what you've already done? No, it wouldn't be. I'd, I'm very happy with the journey I've been on. I, you know, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to make the same mistakes, um, yeah. not the second time around. But I, you know, understanding <laughs> that it's all part of the the learning, and I, yeah. I'm very happy with the journey I've been on. You know, I've got a great family. Yeah. Uh, I love. I just love doing what I'm doing. And someone said the other day, you know, when are you going to retire? So, <laughs> I, doesn't well, actually, it doesn't, doesn't even come into my brain. Like, no. I, don't, I don't, I just love coming down to the studio. I love talking to people. I love yep. doing what I'm doing. And, and that'll be the day I retire or stop is when I, when that enjoyment comes out of it for me. And I can't see that happening, to be honest. No, me either. No, with the ability to combine your great, both passions, the, the, the radio and the real as estate. well as the real estate, mate, mm. that's, that's gold. It's so, a dream. Uh, it's yeah, a dream. and you, yeah, very few people that uh, can turn that, that passion into both a vocation, but also a bit of a vacation too, mate. Because you don't feel like you're working, do you? No, you don't. And and the other the other thing, the best thing that ever happened to me was the internet. You know, I, I, yes. I it just kept me young. Uh, the technology, yeah, uh, the fact that we can communicate and do stuff so quickly. I've got a couple of people to work for me in the Philippines, and you know, I talk yep. to them regularly, like three or yep. four times a day. Um, yeah. I've never met them, uh, yep. but I don't feel like I have to because we've got Skype. So, I mean, technology is just a wonderful thing and it's just opened up so many opportunities for us to work anywhere and do exactly – like there is no excuse anymore for anyone doing something they don't enjoy. Absolutely. Because you can do whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever yeah. you want. It's yeah. really just a matter of whether you get off your butt and do it. Yes. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on there, mate. Well, let's talk, talk a little bit more about the future, mate. Uh, uh, where will you be investing your time, skill, and money uh, moving forward? Any, any different to what you're doing? Are there other other plans and and uh, initiatives you've got uh, on the boil that uh, will sort of expand the opportunity for you? Yeah, we're we're talking about is it, we're, a couple of exciting projects we're working on at present, uh, all related to uh, helping people grow. Um, because I yep. mean, we've got access to some wonderful brains, so we're just trying to bring all that together and put it into some sort of format people can learn both from an agent perspective. We're yep. doing a lot of work on the agent side this year where we've okay. got a number of programs coming out for agents to help them really um, you know, achieve what they want out of life and achieve what they want out of their business. So yes. they're, they're projects that really excite me because I, I love yeah. doing that kind of stuff. And um, yeah. you know, we've got a, a tremendous library both in Real Estate Talk and Real Estate Uncut of people who've freely given us yeah. their time and their expertise over the last 10 years. So of course. I packaged a fair bit of that up and uh, we're now right. offering right. it out to you know different people. And I want to do the same thing across in Real Estate Talk because I think we're... Um, oh, oh, you're sitting on a goldmine of information there, Kevin. Like 500 or something, you know. So uh, th- yeah. there's a huge amount of information that, that is available. And that's the internet's opened all those opportunities up for us, as I said earlier. Yeah, exactly right. And so the future for me, mate, is pretty much the same of what I've been doing. Only you know, hopefully putting it on steroids and um, <laughs> just getting uh, good people to work with me and, and help me do it. Yeah, well, look, uh, 
you're not going to have any uh, trouble at all attracting uh, the, the sort of people that really enjoy engaging with you, mate. So, as I say, I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to uh, talk to you one-on-one today because I know how busy you are and, and uh, the calibre of people that you get to uh, uh, rub shoulders with. But uh, just the, you mentioned there the, the the work that you're looking to do with agents, and I, I don't think a lot of people appreciate how difficult an agent's uh, life is. Mm. And uh, you know, look, looks all gloss on the outside, mm. but uh, and having uh, owned and and manage a mortgage broking business as part of our yeah. our offering. They're very similar lifestyles, actually. That you know, I often say they're like vultures. They come out at nights and weekends and. Yeah. Uh, You've you've really got to be pretty clever to do well on it, and the the cash flow, your lifestyle is is challenging because you're only as good as the last sale. Is a lot of the information you're looking at uh, doing to help them wrapped around that side of it in the lifestyle placement? Well, yes, it is, but it's all about mindset. You know, very, very much about mindset because I, you know, there's one thing that I do know about real estate or any kind of selling. I guess uh, it'd be the same in brokerage. Yes. is that uh, your ability to handle failure and rejection will be a direct reflection of how successful you're going to be because yes. it just is just a normal part of the cycle. You know, not everyone's a winner. Yes. We only yes. ever hear about the people who win um, win in lotto. You know, think, oh, how lucky are they? But, God, <laughs> how many dry gullies have they been down to get there? You know, exactly. how much money have they invested? And it's yes. the same with real estate. You look at these successful people, and, you know, I try to talk to as many really successful people as I can yes. and uh, love asking the kind of questions you've, you've asked me because you yes. can learn so much from their failures, you know, what, you know, yes. what they've done that hasn't worked for them. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, your, your ability to handle failure and rejection will be in direct proportion to your ability to earn money in any business. So yeah. that's what we try and help them with is the mindset and, and coming, to gr- coming to grips with that. Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. That is absolutely fantastic. The um, uh, really good advice to anyone in that sort of an industry, whether it be real estate or or the allied, actually, it, it's it's get used to rejection. And um, in fact, mm. if you're not getting the rejections, you're probably not going to get the success either. Mm. So, uh, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And every every fail is one step closer to a success, of course. That's yeah, just exactly selling. right. Yeah, no, that's uh, those old adages always ring true. I think, mm, but, uh, do. it's the old. Patience and persistence and discipline. If you keep doing it and keep doing it, you're mm. going to you'll get there eventually. That's mm. uh, like like an overnight success, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's the right. thing, really. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I, yeah, I've seen a lot of overnight successes that have yeah. been doing it for twenty years to get there. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. <laughs> oh, how lucky is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, if you if you look at because uh, you've been doing real estate talk now for what since about two thousand nine, is it roughly? Was it longer than that? Uh, a bit longer than that, I think. Is yeah, it? no, I think. Um, I, I, I actually, I could have a look on the computer here, but it, it would be. Uh, yeah, no, it'd be t- two thousand six, I suppose. Two thousand six, yeah, two thousand seven, well, something like that. That's a, yeah. that's a long time to be uh, continuous with, with the volume of the. Well, I can, company, I can, I can, I can tell you, Bush. Yeah, uh, fourteen years I've been doing shows about real estate on commercial radio and that's how it started i i started a show at 4bc in brisbane which is still going yeah it's saturday and sunday uh we talk real estate and i've been doing that for over 14 years now uh and real estate talk came out of that right Um, because i thought oh when the internet first started, I started doing real estate uncut, which was for agents. So I thought, oh, maybe I should do the same thing with this. And yep. I took some of the – I used to take the 4BC show with their permission 
and then yeah. put it on the internet. No listeners, of course, because no, <laughs> no one even knew it was there. We didn't know about marketing. But, um, and that's, that's how it started. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe I could start doing this myself. And that's when I started to build up because I had a lot of good contacts through that show. Yes. And then I, it, I just broadened it to make it a bit more Australian. So that's really how Real Estate Talk started. Right, interesting. And you, you love the podcast space? I mean, I, yeah, I'm I an absolute podcast freak. I, what I love about podcasts, I can listen to it anywhere, anyhow, doing anything. I can mm. listen to it again. Mm. I can rewind if I do the old 15-second rewind and pick it. Well, that was a really good piece of information. I want to listen to that. Mm. I just think it's a, a, the old car university. I'd stick it on in the car when I'm in between uh, uh, appointments or meetings. I, I just don't think there's any better medium, actually, than podcast uh, have you found that it's been oh, yeah. a, a great vehicle for you oh, a tremendous vehicle for me and i you know i i, I really tossed with this um a couple of years ago when video everyone was saying if you're not mm. in video you're not on yeah you're not going to get any traction but you know i and we do video of course right but i do a video of uh, oh they call it a vlog which I think is a terrible name, but that's what's called name, isn't it? video log or something. But, um, but, but I still think audio is just so much easier to access. You can listen to it, as you just said, when you're driving your car, you can absorb so much more. Mm. Whereas a video, you've got to sit down and watch it. You've got to stop and then if you've got the volume up, then uh, you've got to be careful who's listening yeah. and there's all that sort of stuff. And the other interesting uh, stat that I saw the other day was that the number of people who watch a video on YouTube – Yep. with the volume down so they're actually going to read so you you got to have mm. you got to have word to text yeah uh, so you got to take it into word to text otherwise it's not going to get as much consumption so it gets back to people can listen to podcasts so much easier you can go to bed with a set of headphones on you're not going to yeah, disturb exactly. anyone yep. so i still think there's always going to be a good place for radio yeah uh, and Might a good place for for uh, audio uh, audio Podcasts, yeah, and and the, the the move you made from from radio to podcast, I, I I'm guessing because I don't know the industry, but I would have thought the the radio game would have been extremely competitive and and quite commoditized in the finish. And uh, mm. uh, like everything where technology gets involved, it, it starts to cut the, the people out of the industry. Is 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 that the sort of path that yeah. uh, that that was one of the reasons why I left left radio was that. The, the management changes. They went through a very difficult stage when television came in and then they struggled for some meeting and then FM happened yes. and then it was digital radio. So there's been so many intrusions. And then, of course, the biggest one was the internet, which is proving to be one of the best ones, the best interrupters, because if you look at a lot of the radio stations now, they're, they're now doing their own podcasts. Um, yes. You know, yes. If, you, if, you, if you missed our show, well, then catch me on my podcast. So <laughs> it's been the greatest tool for them to um, extend their – even the shows I do on 4BC now, they're all podcasts. Yeah, um, of course. And the podcasts go up, you know, within five minutes of the show finishing. So, yeah. And then I, I actually, it was only this morning I had to pull one down and I went and had a look at it. And the number of people who will actually watch, or sorry, listen to one of those audio podcasts after it's been to air is just phenomenal. We're talking thousands and thousands of people. There you go. There you go. And they're all over the world, of course. Yes, and you can keep listening to it and you keep coming back to it. It's, mm. uh, yeah, I just think it's a, a, a fantastic way to. Uh, Really, from a listening perspective, be able to tune on the information you want to listen without listening to all the other mm. garbage that tends to surround the, the the general media. You mean like the beautiful commercials? Yes. Yeah, they're yeah, lovely. I, I love those. I'm commercial. <laughs> I make no apology about that. 
And I say to the sales guys, you know, good on you, fellas. I'll support you any way you can because without that commercialism, True. I haven't got a business. So. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good call. No, that that is. That, I love our sponsors. Yes, no, that is an extremely good call, mate. Look, um, this has been fantastic, mate. I've I've loved the chat. I feel like I could talk to you all day. If there was, if you were wanting to uh, sort of bring things to a close, because I, I know yeah, you're mate. very busy, yeah, no, man. that's fine. Yeah. What what uh, what uh, last piece of wisdom would you like to? Uh, uh, leave with us. And, oh, you uh, could you could you could go and buy Bushy's book because it's fantastic. There's <laughs> I'll, a, there's I'll a piece of wisdom. Fifty dollars later, mate. Yeah, and then you can make sure you listen to my podcast as well as his new one. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you can find it at uh, all the W's realestatetalk.com.au. How's that? Yeah, fantastic, mate. And the the, uh, the look, I've really appreciated the opportunity to have a chat, mate. Uh, Thanks, would mate. like to do it again yeah, uh, sure. moving forward and. Uh, I mean, I'd, certainly, I find there's a lot of interest in what's happening in the marketplace mm-hmm. around the country, and the, Australia's getting smaller all the time. Uh, we, we find there's a lot of investors in South Australia now who are, and, and South Australia's a very conservative place, but we're seeing that they're, they're dipping the toe into yeah. investing in property elsewhere. So uh, we'd love the uh, opportunity to be able to bounce that across you uh, yeah. moving forward when it when it fits in with what you're doing, Kevin. Love to you, Bushy, and love your work, mate, and love your book. Likewise well too, mate. Yeah, excellent. Look, uh, thanks again, mate. Uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure, but uh, onwards and upwards. And um, Look forward to it. Look forward to it. Thanks, thanks buddy. Kevin. See you, mate. Cheers, mate. How good was that? I hope you enjoyed it. To get a summary of all the investment gold and to get a copy of the show notes, Email me on hello at khgroup.com.au. That's H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au. Or check us out at www.khgroup.com.au forward slash get invested. And join me next week for another episode of the Get Invested podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die tomorrow.